you know, the, the theme really for this month is, is the Great Commission. Um, and it is a Great Commission. It's, it's a title, actually, in your Bible. There's no, in the text, it doesn't say Great Commission. It's just a title that the translators gave to this section. And uh, we know of the Great Wall of China, and you know, you can think of the Grand Canyon, and these words great and grand appear in a lot of things, the Great War, um, but somebody has titled it because it's an expression of actually what it is, and it, and it means a lot to us. But in Matthew 28, really, is a great chapter, and this leads to the Great Commission. There is nothing bad, actually, in chapter 28. It follows on from the worst chapter, which I think is Jesus' crucifixion. Even though we know what he was doing, it's, it's not a nice chapter to read through what they put the Lord through, through his crucifixion and burial. But this chapter is a bit like a roller coaster, um, which has highs and lows, and both exciting. You know, people say, my life is up and down or, you know, that sort of thing. But a roller coaster, you pay for the ups and the downs. So in other words, you're wanting exciting ups and you're wanting exciting downs. And so I'm looking at it in that term when we actually look at Matthew 28. It's a vital chapter for us as Christians. It is the most vital chapter, really, in a way, because it draws us all in and also gives us a role to play. So just before we get into it and dive in properly, I'm just going to pray and just ask the Lord, Lord, you're here. You're here with us. You brought us. You're in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we just invite you, dear Lord, to just have your way. Speak to us. What's of you? Let it touch our hearts, mighty God. What's of me? Let it fall to the floor. But Heavenly Father, we just want to commit this time, this precious time, this, this short time to you in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read a, quite a bit of the scripture today because it's good. Um, I know some people don't get a chance during the week and wish they did. Uh, but so let's uh, just start off here in verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So if you can picture that, there's, a, there's an angel sitting on the stone, probably cross-legged, just sort of sta sitting there. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes white as snow. The guards were so afraid, these are strong Roman soldiers, were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen just as he said. Now, if you think about that, here we've just had a bit of a testimony. We've had an amazing story. They can see that Jesus is not in the tomb. In fact, he invites them in, and in the verse there, it just goes on, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So what were they expecting? They were not expecting an empty tomb. They were probably coming to embalm him in some way. They were probably thinking about, well, we'll have to get those soldiers to roll that stone away. They might have even known the stone was over there. They might have left before that was sealed up. We don't even know that part. But they were coming expecting to do something with the body. And the angel had rolled the stone away. Why? So that they could see in and see it was empty, not to let Jesus out. Jesus wasn't waiting there on the other side of the stone, waiting to get out. He'd gone. 
And so they wanted, um, the angel wanted us and wanted them to see that he had risen. So here's an amazing story. But it goes on. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And that's a bit like the roller coaster as well. There's a little bit of fear as you go up the top of that uh, roller coaster. Anybody been on a roller coaster? All right. There's a little bit of fear. You got to, and then there's the excitement of it, you know. And uh, I remember getting my courage up more and more until I actually we went did it three or four times and ended up getting a seat in the front, and that was really good, you know. Then it started to rain, and you're in the front. But anyway, it was uh, one of the, it was quite exciting. And so, is that us? You know, we have a message, a truth, and yet afraid in some way, and yet filled with joy. We're filled with joy from what the Lord said, but a little bit of fear on what we're going to do. So suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So this is happening in a very short space of time. This is actually quite traumatic in a way. But not only have they been told that Jesus has resurrected, now they've experienced him for themselves. They've had a personal encounter with the Lord. And it's the same with us. Somebody, somewhere, tells us about Jesus. And then when we take a step of faith, he reveals himself to us. He becomes real to us. You think about it? You heard about him, and then you experienced him. So let's just have a look at this next slide here. Um, there's sort of four steps, and I've just listed it, the four steps to faith. There are other faith, but we hear somebody, in this case it was an angel, tells them an amazing story about Jesus. It's amazing. Hey, he was dead, but now he's alive. That's absolutely amazing. Who can believe that? Some people say, nah, don't, don't want anything to do with it. And then there's an act. So people who accept it, they obey and take some action that shows that they believe. You know, people who come forward at the end of a service, they're taking an act that they believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he is risen. And then, of course, we've got, thirdly, an encounter. When we take that act of accepting Jesus as an encounter, he comes into our life. We experience him for ourselves, a personal encounter with him. And then, but there's a fourth step. And we try to encourage this with the new believers. It's tell. Go and tell somebody what has happened. And of course, that's exactly what the angel said to, the, to Mary. Go and tell the disciples. And then when she acted and they had their personal experience, Jesus also said, go and tell. Now, that was a tricky thing. The disciples were afraid and fearful in a building. You can imagine. And it says in one of the other Gospels, they came and they didn't believe them. It was a tough story. And we see that this process is repeated just a few days later. The same process. And from Matthew 28 going on in 16. Then the disciples... 11 disciples, they must have accepted the story because they then heard the message and they acted. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, probably the Mount of Beatitudes. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here it is, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We want to accept Christ. We want to have him as our personal Savior. But the fourth part is actually going and telling others. They heard the message the two Marys received from the angels. They took a step of faith by heading to Galilee, which was about 160 kilometers away from where they were, which is about, if you walked solidly, 34 hours worth, according to Google. And they personally met with Jesus. When they took that act, they met with him, and then he tells them to go. Go and share your faith. Go and tell them what you've experienced. And we have that same answer, and we have that same responsibility. Last week, Pastor Tark spoke about knowing our testimony. So what is a testimony? And we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. But so basically, what is a testimony? It is what we were like in the past, and then we encountered Jesus, and now this is the result. And people see that in our lives, but there's other things they don't know. You might have had, an, that might be your salvation, but it could be something to do with finances. It could be something to do with healing. It could be something to where he restored something, but this is the situation you committed it to God, or God intervened, and now this is the situation. So that's a testimony. The, the change was the result of Christ and God. You know, we're having the, the soul food at the moment where uh, we're trying to encourage people to read the Bible, and there are, there are bookmarks, and we've got the new bookmark for the next coming two months at the info desk. Celian says there hasn't been a big rush on them, Okay, so they're still free. You can pick up these for free. <laughs> but the thing is that it's trying to encourage people to read the Word of God. You know, when I opened my uh, banking uh, this week, there's a big pink pig on my uh, ANZ account in, in the front page, and I realized it was the year of the pig. So, which is, I think it's just a little bit, of, bit better to think it's the year of the Bible. And this year, we, as Church Unlimited, are wanting people to read their Bible. So which do you reckon, the year of the pig or the year of the Bible? All right. I'm going for the year of the Bible. So I hope you guys are get, just get into it. You can start this week, pick up a, a, a bookmark from the Soul Food. It's the bottom of the word for today. And let's just get reading the Bible. But there's a verse that, that was in there um, from the Psalms and Psalm 145. And I think it would just be good that we read it together. Now, you can read it out loud a little bit because it's good to actually read the Word of God. So this is what was in this week. Let's just go together. I will extol you. Come on, guys. You, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. 
I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. We'll just stop there a sec. You see, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty works. There's a, there's a role for us to pass on. Let's go to the next part. Again, let's go together. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Does anybody believe that? Give me a wave. God is mighty. He does mighty things. And not only in the past, in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, but also in our lives. Give me a wave if God has done something mighty in your life. Look around the room. God has done something mighty. Even if it's just salvation, that's mighty, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The old is gone, the new has come. We become changed from the inside and should, so should see things differently. I think that Psalm 145, 1-2 is something worth meditating on because it's, it's talking about God, but it's also talking about our part in that story. You know, there are people out there that will warm only to you. I realize that. There are people in your sphere that only you will bump into. There are people that only you know, your friends or your family, and they will only warm to you. There's a message that you have. And we see in the, the book of Acts, I'm going to jump to slide 11 here, that the Acts, and we will just read some of that. I'll read it out loud for you, but let's just go to that and see. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were slaying, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, what? Heard their own language being spoken. And slide 12. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Well, why was it? Because God wanted them to hear that language. Each one of them God brought. So here, the, the day of Pentecost, we think about that. But it's also amazing that God, knowing that he was going to pour out that outpouring, what was happening as well, he was bringing people into town to hear that message. So that not only the disciples went away praising God, 3,000 other people did. So it says there, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. You know, we can go through all that. There's quite a bit there. And, and then it goes, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? It's amazing. So God 
brings these people together. God brings people for you as well to share his message. Each one of us has a message tailored for someone else who God brings into our path, just as he did in the book of Acts. Okay, I just want to pause on that and say, okay, you have a message inside you that God is going to bring people to here and already has done, and they may have passed you by, but he will do it again, and he'll do it again, and he'll do it again. You have a message that other people need to hear. It says in, um, in 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So it's absolutely fantastic. Even if we are brand new Christians, all right, we have a story to tell. So I'm going to have a look at another verse in Matthew 18. And there's lots of scripture today because the word speaks to us. I want rather the word speaks to us. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold to, to, be, to be sold sorry, to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. How happy are we that our debt has been canceled? You know, did that guy skip out of that room? Did he skip down the road, you know, absolutely joyous about what had been done for him? Did he? And then the first person he met, he grabbed him by the collar and he danced around him and said, I've been forgiven, I've been forgiven, I've been let off. And you? He said, no. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who'd owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. <laughs> Which one are we? Are we so joyous that the Lord has forgiven us everything? Everybody we meet can see it? Or do we choke a few people along the way? <laughs> Sadly to say, I've got to say I've choked a few people along the way. But I'm hopefully I'm getting better. Now, I like a bargain. I do like a bargain. I do like saving money. I do like going to the warehouse and it's, you know, it's got, the, it's a bit of a price off, but when you get to the checkout, that there's even more off. Does anybody like that? Or now you go into one of the petrol stations and I won't give an ad for one of them, but the other day we got, they said 56 cents off a litre. 56 cents off a litre. How about that? I love that sort of a bargain. <laughs> it's, it's not 50, you know... Anyway, I like that. So I tell people about it. I'm happy to tell people about bargains. So I think we should be happy to tell people also about what God has done for us because I want them to experience the bargain. Anyway, we're just going to show a short video clip. Jim. Robert.
Hey. Hi, Jim. Free gift. Sharing your faith doesn't have to be hard. Let's do it together. Anybody experienced anything like that? <laughs> Good on you. To help us with our timidity or fear, God gave us the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive the Holy Spirit not only to help us with what to say, but to give us the courage to say it. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I just want to encourage you, ask. Go to your life group and ask to be baptized. Come and ask us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When we open the altar call up on some Sundays, come and ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It gives you the power to witness. It gives you the strength and the courage to help you with what God wants you to do, not only in witnessing, but to walk the walk. So I encourage you, ask for it. The devil's plan is for us not to stand out not to rock the boat. He doesn't want us to, to pop up and stand out. You know, as a young man, uh, bus travel was more common than not. And my parents always taught me to stand up for a, when an older person got on the bus. Anybody been there? All right. Now, you know, when, you, when you're seated by the aisle, you can sort of just, as a kid, slip out of your seat sort of, and let the old person stand. But when you're by the window, it's going to cause a little bit more fuss. But that thing inside you is saying, I know I've got to do this, and I don't want to stand out. But then you slip out of your seat, and after a while you feel better, and the older person sits down. You know, it's a bit like that with sharing your faith, I think, as well. You know, you want the welfare of that person is you sharing the message, but your comfort stands in, in the way. You know, you're thinking of yourself, oh, I don't want to do that, oh, you know, a little bit embarrassed. I don't know if you guys are here with me in this story at all, but, you know, there needs to be a transfer where I start to say that their welfare is more important than my welfare, you know. And once you do that transfer where you think that they're more important than I am, that's what actually gets you across the line. You know, I've read the story, and I'll just read it out to you, of a young man who was recently enlisted into the army. The first night, he was in the barracks with about 15 other young men who were passing the time playing cards and gambling. Just before lights out, the young man fell on his knees beside his bed to pray, but the others jeered and threw boots at him. This happened the next night and the next, so the young man went to the chaplain and asked what he should do. Well, said the chaplain, you are not at home now, and the other men have just as much right to the barracks as you have. It makes them mad to hear you pray, and the Lord will hear you just as well if you say your prayers in bed and don't provoke them. 
For weeks after, oh, sorry, for weeks after, the chaplain did not see the young man again, but one day he met him and asked, by the way, did you take my advice? How did it work? Well, said the young man, I felt like a whipped dog. And so on the third night, I got out of bed, knelt down and prayed. Well, asked the chaplain, this is a young man, guys. Well, asked the chaplain, how did that work? The young soldier answered, we have a prayer meeting there every night, and three have given their hearts to Jesus, and we are praying for the rest. Good story? It's a true story. You know? Who wants to be a whipped dog, eh? I used to be a whipped dog. You know, I used to be a secret agent Christian. It was no fun being a secret agent Christian, trying to live the good life but not telling anybody about it. Once you let it out there and everybody knew, once you came out of the cupboard or out of the closet, to use another term, it's a lot easier. And then people come to you, you know, and ask questions like, does God get mad? <laughs> does God have a bad day? You know, once you're out of the closet, it's a lot easier, I can tell you. He had the courage, and then God honored him. It says in uh, Philippians 1, 20 to 21, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by faith or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Young or more mature, we all must come to that place where we are not ashamed to share our testimony or a testimony of God's goodness. You know, Pastor Tark said last week, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And so this morning, I thought it would be really good if we could take a couple of steps. And you've all got a piece of paper, hopefully, and... Uh, those who haven't got a piece of paper with 60 seconds written on it, please put up your hand and we will make sure you have got one. So quickly, let's get those into people's hands. Some more ushers can help. Somebody can help. Radar and Sally Ann. Everybody in the room will have a piece of paper, and then you might have to borrow a pen, or Usher's got um, a few pens. Our pen pot is getting smaller and smaller, because some of the pens don't come back, so I'd appreciate if you, once you're finished with the pen, you leave it on the info desk. Just ask if anybody wants a pen, too. Anyone needs a pen? Okay. A 60-second testimony is something that you can share in 60 seconds. That's what that means. I just put 60 seconds on there so that you didn't, I didn't tell the whole story when you got the piece of paper. Now, some of you might have guessed what I was up to. But I put one, two, three, because I think if you've been around a while, you'll have three, four, five testimonies where God's done something in your life. I think of the, the, when I was doing this, the exercise, 
I was thinking the first one um, could have been, you know, when God got hold of me as a young man. And uh, when I went to visit the Wilson home and God put in my heart to go, you know, for those young children, there was a transfer of my own selfishness into helping people, especially kids that were dying and uh, needed pushing around and needed stories read to and stuff like that. So there was, a, there was a transfer of his love through me to those kids. Changed my life. I could think of uh, uh, when about 25 years ago when he, God clearly spoke to me about finances. Uh, Sally and I had about 10 or 11 jobs between us that we were doing that, you know, the, we had full-time jobs, but we had part-time jobs, and we had 10 to 11 jobs trying to make ends meet. And God said, you know, why don't you tithe? I'd like you to start tithing. And so my tithing began there, and it was, I wrote out the first check. And I wrote in the stub, in God I trust, and I started tithing, and my finances just turned around, and we just quit all those jobs. We had three, full-time job each, and then a part-time job. And then Sally Ann became pregnant. Um, that's why I know it's 25 years ago, because our boy's 25. And she became pregnant, and she was laid off. And again, God came through and showed me that his way is better than my way instead of striving to trust in him. It could be um, a healing. You know, God, I was in and out of A&E, you know, last year, six or seven times with pain. I was operated on. They couldn't find anything. And yet I asked the God, I I need a word. And he gave me a word from Ezekiel uh, 37, verse 12. I'll lift you out of the grave and I'll take you back to Israel. That was on the Saturday and I was supposed to fly to Israel on Monday. So how specific is that? And so I said, right, that's it. I'm believing for my healing and I haven't had any trouble since. You know, and that was in August, October last year. So those are 60-second 60 60 testimonies. You can share it in 60 seconds. So please be writing that. Give me a wave when you've done the, written it.